Myers. It looked like he was dead in the water. A center by six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll review the NBA trade deadline and which teams came away as winners and which didn't, as well as some NCAA news and previewing the Elite Eight that's about to start. So, um, hope everyone is doing well. Enjoying this kind of this March Madness, great weather, uh, starting to starting to come along. Uh, we're starting to get to spring. This is it's fantastic times, people. Fantastic times. We got winding down the NBA season. MLB season is about to start. Uh, college basketball is getting into the, the real meat of things, uh, especially in the tournament. This is it's going to be fantastic. Uh, and today, you know, the first thing that kind of broke the news today was the NBA draft. Uh, there are a lot of people speculating when that was going to be, since the season's going to end uh, pretty much like pretty much much later than expected. Uh, like about a month later than, than usual. So a lot of people were expecting, uh, probably not a November draft, but thinking, you know, will it be, in July, will it be in August? Well, it'll be July 29th. It was announced by the NBA today, uh, which is fantastic. The combine will take place from June 21st to June 27th, and the draft lottery will be June 22nd, which is great. The uh, the NBA Finals is going to go into July most likely, so these these two might interlap a little bit, which they normally don't do. But, uh, you know, the, for the lottery, won't even matter because all the teams will be out Uh who are in the lottery, so it doesn't matter if the if the playoffs are still going on. But we got that, and we got a surplus of guys declaring for the draft too. Nemius Cada from Utah State uh, just declared. He said he's going to hire an agent. Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN reported that. Uh, Jaden Springer from Tennessee, potential first round pick, shooting guard. Uh, he just declared for the draft and is most likely. Uh, staying in most likely going to hire an agent uh along with a few others there was actually a decent list um of guys that that have already declared trey man florida standout sophomore declared and he's going to hire an agent uh brandon boston jr from kentucky as we all expected potential lottery pick he's going to he declared and hired an agent uh terrence clark from kentucky who was possibly going to be a first round pick during the preseason, 
but kind of fell because he wasn't playing well and then ended up getting hurt for Kentucky and Kentucky had such a bad year. So he ended up falling into second rounds and undrafted, but he's still going to declare and he might hire an agent too. Uh, Terry Taylor from Austin P. He is a senior this year, was their leading scorer. Austin P got off to a great start this season. He declared for the draft and will hire an agent. Um, it's going to be interesting because since everyone gets an extra year of eligibility, a lot of these seniors are going to be uh, are going to have to declare for the draft, which is going to be a very interesting process. So it'll be kind of funny to see which seniors decide to go back for a fifth year and which seniors decide to go to just decline their extra year of eligibility and all together and uh, just declare for the draft. And Terry Taylor is one of them. And uh, another guy, Justin Champagny from Pittsburgh, uh, he declared for the draft, but he's just testing the waters. Um, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky declared his testing the waters. Kai Jones from Texas, potential first-round pick. Dayron Sharp from North Carolina, two big men right there, two centers that are potential first-round picks. They both declared. Uh, and then Nemius Cated today declared. And then there's a lot of guys on the fence, obviously guys who are still in the tournament, still, you know, you're not going to hear a word from them yet. And a lot of guys who just got knocked out of the tournament, you're not going to hear from yet. We've heard from a lot of Kentucky guys because they haven't even made the tournament. So I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think there's going to be, you know, we're pretty much guaranteed that Luke, there's a lot of them haven't formally declared, but I would assume move pretty much uh, said that he's going to declare, you know, he's going to be first round pick uh, Luca Garza is pretty much declaring, even though he will, te- he's a senior and he technically can go back for a fifth year. Uh, they are, Iowa already announced they're retiring his jersey. He, you know, made a bold statement, made it well known that, that he's not going to play another game for Iowa again. So he's going to be declaring for the draft, even though he might be a second round pick. Um, could sneak into the first round. You never know. So there's a bunch of those guys. And I'm very interested to see where Max um, Asmus, uh and O'Banner from the two studs from Oral Roberts, what they end up doing. Will they declare for the draft? Will they decide to enter the transfer portal? The transfer portal has been unbelievable, though, too. Um, great get for Kentucky today. Huge shout out, huge shout out right there. They landed Davidson's top score. That was a huge addition to the team. Um, I like that a lot. That was that was a good get for uh, for Kentucky will help bolster their team a bit. Oscar Shebway's coming in too next year for Kentucky. So, so that's going to be really good. Uh, and the, you know, the NBA draft is going to be, we're just getting in the, we're just getting in the swing of things. And once March madness ends, you get a bunch of declarations. So many guys enter the transfer portal too. rocket Watts entered the transfer portal today from Michigan state, um, which, which it was really interesting to me because, I was I was a little shocked because he got a lot of playing time for the Spartans, and I'm not really sure where he's aiming to go elsewhere, you know. Um, but he's he is an interesting one that that entered the transfer portal, and uh, the Groves the Groves brothers too, the the older brother from Eastern Washington. They played Kansas in the first round, if you remember the three versus fourteen game, and shined bright they and he was averaging 20 and 10 all season he's in the transfer portal right now and he's already apparently he's already heard from some top schools including texas tech so this transfer portal is going to be very interesting because i'm not sure this year no one had to sit out and i'm not exactly sure if anyone's gonna to have to sit out again next year so if you're if you are a good player play for a school that, you know, you think that you can, you can play for a better school, you play for a mid-major or something, you know, why not enter the transfer portal and try to climb up? Uh, a lot of teams are trying to 
recruit through that way too, as we've been seeing. Like Gonzaga, one of the reasons why they're so dominant is through from the transfer portal. I mean, they got Andrew Benemhard, who was with Florida, uh, through the transfer portal, and he's been one of their catalysts, one of their big players all season. So it'll be interesting to see. Much more to come on this show about NBA draft after March Madness ends. Uh, I'm a huge NBA draft guy, keep track of everything. So we'll go through all the declarations as they happen. Uh, if you're a, an NBA draft fan, 100% stay tuned in the future. We're going to be getting, uh, we're going to be going through all of that. Uh, going to be going through mock drafts and stuff. That's uh, always the best, and especially when it comes combine time. So we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we'll jump into the NBA trade deadline that was this past week. So the trade deadline this past week was wild to say the least. It was it was insane. One of the most chaotic. Uh, trade deadlines of all time actually uh they uh, i think it was 24 teams out of the uh, out of the 30 nba teams uh all made trades it was it was ridiculous we're in one way or another they were every team was involved so i ranked as i like to do i ranked my grades for the nba trade deadline and who i think won who i think lost gave everybody grades and there's you know Gave some teams A's, gave some, gave a few teams B's, gave a few teams C's, and then I gave one team a D, and I'll explain all of them, and I'll go through all of them. But the main thing to remember is I can't. The main thing that I before we go into the main thing I took away from this year's trade deadline is this is probably the most firepower, the most star power we've ever seen at a trade deadline. Like when was the last time this many studs got traded at a trade deadline? I mean, this kind of happens during the off season and free agency, obviously is anybody's game. Uh, they, it's always wide open, but th- when was the last time that, th- that this happened? You know, it's, it's insane. And I really, I really think it's interesting um, to, to really, really wondering why that many teams jumped the gun and uh, either completely sold or completely went into uh, completely try to buy in for this year. It was interesting. So we'll jump into it. So first, with the A's, the Brooklyn Nets, you got you got to say got an A because they didn't make a single trade. All they did was add Lamarcus Aldridge, which was ridiculous. Uh, Aldridge got a buyout from the San Antonio Spurs. He was averaging 13.7 points, 4.5 rebounds this year. The Nets are sitting at 31 and 15, which is second in the East. And, you know, KD can miss some more time as of right now, but they signed Blake Griffin in a potential starting five with everybody healthy uh, of Kyrie, Harden, Durant, Griffin, and LaMarcus Aldridge with DeAndre Jordan and everyone, all their other depth guys, Landry Shamit, all of those guys off the bench, like, come on. This is ridiculous. And the Nets kind of going all in. Even if it, LaMarcus Aldridge is old, Blake Griffin seems like he might be the old Blake Griffin. You know, he's starting to dunk again since, ever since he went to Brooklyn. But uh, did he, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think uh, that these additions are going to be really good. They there's always the potential that they could backfire with too much star power. A lot of players losing time too. You know, DeAndre Jordan's definitely going to lose some time. Jeff Green's going to lose some time. There's there's no doubt about that. So 
Uh, but you got to give them an A. They didn't lose anybody, and they added, you know, one of the best centers of this past decade, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge, who was not too many years, not that many years ago, a perennial All Star. Uh, so, had to give it some. And then the Bulls too. All right, uh, definitely getting A for me. They're they're going all in, and I like it. Yeah, they added. Nikola Vucevic and Alfredo Camino, and they lost Otto Porter Jr., Wendell Carter, Daniel Gafford, and Chandler Hutchison. So Otto Porter was going to getting paid a ridiculous amount of money, free agent after this year anyway. Doesn't matter. Wendell Carter was potentially their future big man, but since they added Vucevic, you don't even do Wendell Carter anymore, so that makes sense. And Gafford and Hutchison are just step pieces. And Alfaro Camino is a good veteran, but he's hurt right now, so to add to it. So basically through this, Vucevic is a Perennial, becoming a perennial all-star. He made a second all-star team this year. He's averaging 24.5 points, 11.7 rebounds this season, which is ridiculous. But the Bulls are sitting at 19 and 25, 10th in the East. So as of right now, they do make the playoffs, though, because you got to remember that there's the play-in tournament this year of the 7th seed through the 10th seed all make the tournament. And they duke it out, basically, for two spots to see who gets the 7th and 8th seeds. Uh, so as of right now, the Bulls are the 10 seed, which uh, which would which would get them into that. But they're trying to push for more, and they're trying to build for the future too. They got they're building a core right now of Levine, Vucevic, Markinen, and Kobe White, and that team can make a playoff run in the East if you give them a full season. It's it might not be this year. They might sneak into the playoffs this year, even if they're in the uh, what do you call it um, the play-in tournament. And they lose, or they, you know, get a seven or eight seed, and they match up with the Nets or the Bucks or the Sixers, and they lose in the first round, whatever. But in the future, could be could be a big thing because Patrick Williams was is looking like a decent draft pick. He's starting to come along. He's a good defensive player. Uh, they'll have another pretty solid draft pick, most likely. Billy Donovan's a tremendous head coach too that they were able to get. So they're they were built. I give them an A because they're building towards the future more than just this year. You know, they're obviously not going to make a huge run this year, even if they somehow sneak in the playoffs. But I, I really like the idea of Vucevic and uh, um, Levine as the stars of the team. Like, I think that that's really cool. Uh, so, these are the, so these are the main winners. And another team I give an A, I gave an A to a total of five teams. So the third team I gave an A to was the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat 100% upgraded. They did a great job. Everyone was talking about, oh, Victor Oladipo wants to go to the Heat. They're going to get him. And he was he's he's an all-star caliber player, and they ended up getting him. They added Victor Oladipo, and they only lost Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley, which are two replaceable players, two good players, but replaceable. Avery Bradley is a good role player for a good for a, a competitive team. Kelly Olynyk is a good backup center for a, a for a, an all star team. Uh, but Victor Oladipo is a stud, and you add him with Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, like that's a good core that they got going. And they've been underperforming this year too, Miami. They're twenty two and twenty four. They're eighth in the East right now, and they want to try to get something going because you know they're a year removed from winning the Eastern Conference and losing to the Lakers in the finals. So they want to get back there, and they want to give the Nets and the Sixers and the Bucks a, as much of a push as they can. So they, they're loading up on power, and they, they can score. They can score some points, I'll tell you that. 
uh, with Oladipo. Oladipo is averaging 20.8 points, five rebounds, 4.7 assists. This will be his third team he's been on this year. Though that's that's his numbers through all the two teams that he's played for, Indiana and Houston. This will be his third team, Miami. So they definitely get an A from me, Miami. Miami upgraded big time. Didn't lose very much, just lose a couple of depth pieces for a stud and really a second option uh, to to be a main scorer behind Butler. Uh, then the, the fourth team I gave an A to was the Lakers because you have to. You know, the Lakers didn't lose anybody and they added Andre Drummond. Like the, that's that's a fantastic trade deadline right there. They didn't make any big trades. They were in and out on the sweepstakes for Kyle Lowry. They didn't end up making any trades. They didn't want to part with Taylor Horton Tucker apparently, uh, which which the Raptors were demanding for him. To, and you know the Raptors ended up not trading Kyle Lowry, but they were in the mix for a lot of these guys, and they were in the mix to trade for Drummond too. And they ended up getting him on a bio for nothing. I mean, obviously, getting him on a bio is better than trading for him. I always I thought Drummond was going to get traded. Cleveland just was never ever never able to work something out. Mainly, I think because people knew that if they don't work anything out, he'll end up getting bought out. So they just waited until he got bought out instead of somebody jumping in and trading some key pieces to Cleveland for him when you could wait a couple more months and he doesn't get traded at the trade deadline because no one's acquiring for him and he ends up getting bought out and somebody can get him for free without having to give up anything. You know, that's, that's what, that's the key to this. Uh, LeBron and AD are still out too. You know, they need somebody who can hold it down for the time being. And once they come back, it's, that's a good big three right there. You know, Drummond, uh, is going to, is a good complimentary player to Anthony Davis. We saw how good of a complimentary player DeMarcus Cousins was to Anthony Davis. And this is a very similar situation uh, from when Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins were in New Orleans. Uh, Andre Drummond's a great rebounder, good playmaker, good defensive player. He does a lot of different things. And uh, Drummond's, uh, Anthony Davis is mostly a scorer. So, so we'll see, but Lakers got to give an A to, and then the final team I gave an A to was the Denver Nuggets. You got to you got to give a big shout out to the Nuggets for what they're doing. They made no All Star additions, but they made big ones to help add depth in a tough Western playoff run because it's an uphill battle without a doubt for them to catch up to the Jazz, Clippers, and Lakers. They those are the cream of the crop right there in the in the Western Conference. Uh, there the Nuggets are on the outside, but they got the NBA and the MVP front runner right now, Nikola Jokic, averaging almost triple double. Which, you know, I if the season ended today, and you give the MVP to somebody but not named Nikola Jokic, I think it's blasphemous. That's unbelievable. If that's the case, this dude, you don't realize that this dude is averaging a triple double and he's a center. You know, he's averaging nine assists as a big man. You know, we, a few years ago we were talking about how Marcus Souls won the best passing big man ever when he was averaging five assists a game along with 29 points and 11 rebounds, and he's averaging nine assists. Like, come on, this dude. And it's not like this is a bad team either. The Nuggets are a good team. They're fifth in the West right now. They're 28 and 18. And so what they did at the deadline, they made some. They made a good amount of moves. They added Aaron Gordon. They added JaVale McGee and Gary Clark. So three good big men. Uh, JaVale McGee will give them depth give him a center off the bench. Aaron Gordon could slot in as the starter. Now and Millsap could be the bench could be the backup. Uh, and they lost Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, who's a rookie and Isaiah Hardenstein. 
uh, in the process. And RJ Hampton was a huge prospect, um, bit of a bit of a project. He's still young, but they they shipped him off to Orlando, I believe, in part of the Aaron Gordon trade. So that was all right. Gary Harris was with them through most of it, but he's replaceable since they have Will Barton and Monte Morris still on the bench. So it's not like it's that bad. So they got a potential lineup of Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic with Paul Millsap, Monte Morris all off the bench. Like that's a deep team. That's a very deep team. Uh, I I like their odds to, you know, potentially make a push and make it back to a Western Conference Finals at least like they did last year. I think that it's, it, I think it's going to be good. And now we'll make it down to the Bs. So these teams. I gave B's out to four teams. Uh, these teams, I thought, made good moves. but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought they made top-of-the-line moves, but they weren't necessarily A moves that they were like oh, like some of the best that I saw this entire deadline. The first one is the Trailblazers. Uh, they added Norman Powell, and they lost Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. So they traded two depth shooters for an up-and-coming star really in Norman Powell. Like he's been amazing scoring wise, especially 19.5 points, three rebounds, 1.8 assists a game. And this is something that uh, the Blazers have lacked over the last few years too, as they've been good is that third option to Lillard and McCollum. You know, they have Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo's not the same Carmelo that he used to be. They have Ennis Cantor, who is like, he's not a tremendous, he's a great offensive big man, but he's not like, he's not going to give you 20 a night. But they got a, they got now a, a legitimate third option that can actually give you twenty a night, and that's Norman Powell. So they, which is big, and McCollum's just coming back from injury. This was kind of a missing piece, I think, for the Trailblazers. So I give them a B for that because it wasn't really a blockbuster move, but it's a hundred percent an upgrade. And you know they traded Gary Trent, who was one of their sharpshooters off the bench, um, and Rodney Hood, who. He's a good score, good all-around score, started a bit for them. Uh, he's a good player. You know, both of them are good players, but they upgraded with Norman Powell, uh, without a doubt. The next team I gave a B to was the Celtics. So the Celtics, honestly, I could have gave them an A, you know, looking at it, but gave them a B just because it wasn't, again, it wasn't really any blockbuster moves, but they added Evan Fournier and Mo Wagner, and they lost Daniel Theis. So they pretty much got Fournier and Wagner for nothing. And Wagner is former Michigan standout, first-round pick. Um, he hasn't completely lived up to, you know, what people thought was his ceiling in the NBA. Could be because of, you know, the teams he played for. He played for Washington, and he was on the Lakers when they were bad before LeBron. When when LeBron was there, and then LeBron got hurt uh, and was part of, and then, you know, was dealt to the Wizards. Uh, he was he hasn't been in the right situation, and the Celtics could be the perfect system for Wagner to become a player that he that he wants that he could possibly become. And they need a big man. That's the big thing. Celtics need a big man badly, and if Wagner can become that future big man, that's going to be unbelievable. That's going to be a that's going to be a trade that we'll be talking about for a long time. And Evan Fournier is a good player who gives you some scoring too. He's very similar to Norman Powell, honestly. He's a very good scorer, uh, not a household name, but you know he's averaging nineteen point seven points, three point seven assists, and he gives you some extra scoring. He gives you another scoring option behind Tatum and Brown and Kemba Walker. So 
It's purely for scoring depth. And right now the Celtics are sitting at 23 and 23 and they're seventh in the East. They're behind the Knicks too. So they, they definitely believe that they have a better team than the, that they, than they've performed this season. A lot of injuries and stuff have gone on though too. Um, so they're trying to make a push for that top. They're trying to be competitive with the Bucks and, you know, the Sixers and the Nets, which I don't know if this really puts them over the edge, but it definitely makes them more competitive than they a better team than they were before the trade deadline. And then another team I gave a B to was the Mavericks. So the Mavericks added JJ Redick. Uh, we all know JJ Redick, career 41.5% three-point shooter. Uh, one of the best three-point shooters of our generation, basically. Uh, and Nicolo Melli. Who's a good stretch for, uh, can give you some shooting, can give you some defense. It's been in New Orleans for most of his career. Uh, good European player. And they lost James Johnson and Wes- Wesley Awundu, who are two very replaceable losses. James Johnson is a, is a good backup uh, veteran to come off the bench, you know, gets you some rebounds and stuff. He's a tough player. And Wesley Awundu is kind of like, you know, a three and D guy who just, he was kind of bounced around a little bit. You know, he was with Orlando and he started a lot for them for bad teams. So, but he's replaceable too. He hadn't even been playing that much for Dallas too this season. And they ended up getting JJ Reddick and Nicola Melli. And Melli's better than Johnson and Reg's much better than Awundu. So they a hundred percent upgraded. Um, there's no doubt about that. And JJ Reddick gives you a sharp shooter. They already have Tim Hardaway Jr., who has the ability to be a, a, one of the best shooters in the league, but is ex- so inconsistent. And that used to drive me crazy as a Knicks fan, how much potential this guy had. And he just extremely inconsistent. And th- that's that's been the biggest problem. And J.J. Wright gives you consistent shooting. And that's what the Celtics need. That's what, uh, that's what the Mavericks need, I should say. And, you know... It was interesting. Reddick, there's a lot of rumors that, you know, the Knicks were going to go after him. The Nets were going to go after him, uh, you know, because it's apparent because he lives in Brooklyn full time uh, during the offseason. So but at Dallas ended up swooping in and, and got him, which was, you know, a good get for them. Then the last team I gave a B to was the Clippers. So the Clippers, just like the Lakers, didn't make any big moves for any stars. They were in the mix for some guys, but they didn't really they didn't really have to is the thing. They're 31 and 16. They're third in the West. Um, their roster right now is competitive with the Lakers roster right now, even though they add Drummond. So, but I give them a B because they still did upgrade. They added Rajon Rondo and got rid of Lou Williams. Lou Williams, you know, was sixth man of the year has been with Clippers for a while now. Um, was one of their kind of key pieces, but they shipped him off to Atlanta for Rondo and Rondo is kind of what they need. They need another ball handler. They, Patrick Beverly was really the only playmaking point guard that they have. You know, they have Reggie Jackson, but he's a score first kind of point guard. Um, so Rondo gives them good defensive skill, good playmaking ability, and leadership too that they that they really need. I thought they they needed to sign Rondo during free agency too. I was a big uh, advocate for that. I was shocked when Rondo ended up signing with the Hawks because I really thought that him and the Clippers were like a perfect fit, you know, for him to for him and Beverly to be the two point guards. So, you know, now we're halfway through the season and I finally get to see it come true. So it's interesting. And now there's three teams I gave C's to. And these teams I basically gave a C to um 
because I don't think they really upgraded, but I don't think they downgraded either. You know, I think that they just kind of in the middle, if anything, maybe upgraded a little bit. So I gave them C's. The first one is the Jazz. The Jazz really didn't do much because they really didn't have to do much. They've been rolling with the roster they have right now. They're 34 and 11, first in the West. They've been dominant. They and there was no reason to really shake up the team. And all they did was add Matt Thomas, who's a shooter from Toronto, and they lost nothing. They lost either draft consi- cash considerations or a draft pick for him. But that gives you a decent shooter off the bench. You know, gave him a C because it wasn't like they had an amazing trade deadline. But it gives you an extra shooter off the bench. You know, to add with Jordan Clarkson uh, and all the depth that they have. But the Jazz all season have been proving that they're the team to beat in the West. Obviously when it comes playoff time, it's tough to pick as we've talked about before in this show, it's tough to pick against the Lakers with LeBron and Kawhi and the Clippers uh, and even Jokic and the Nuggets after what they did last year, it's tough to pick against them, but the jazz all season have been showing that they're the most dominant team in the West. So they didn't really have to do much and they didn't have to give up and it would have hurt if they gave up anything that was key to them. So that was it. And the 76ers too, I gave a C to. And I think that they could have tried to go after a little bit more. All they did was add George Hill and they lost nothing, which is definitely an upgrade because George Hill's a good veteran point guard to have off the bench. Um, it's an upgrade over anything else that they had on the bench too, to back up Ben Simmons. Uh, so I think they had Shake Milton. That's about it. So George Hill will give you good playmaking minutes. He'll give you good veteran min- minutes. Um, but they didn't upgrade much. And the and the really the big problem with that is the Nets upgraded a ton, and you know the Sixers right now are sitting in first in the East, but they're closely being approached by the Nets. They're thirty-two and fourteen right now, and the Nets are only one game behind them. So it's it's going to be tough for them to hold on to first place, especially with Embiid still out. Uh, they so they they didn't do enough, and then then the C's too I gave to the Raptors because. This is more of a C that downgrade. It's more of a C minus because they 100% downgraded. Um, they've had a terrible year this year, though, anyway. 18 and 28, 11th in the East. They've struggled big time this year. Um, nothing's gone their way. It's it's been, a, it's been a rough year for the Raptors. Haven't been able to even play in Toronto. They played the entire season in Tampa Bay, too, because of COVID restrictions. But they didn't upgrade much. All they did, they, well, they lost a good amount. They lost one of their better scores in Norman Powell. And they added... Gary Trent, who is a good score off the bench, and then Rodney Hood will probably take over as their starting shooting guard, yeah. um, or as, as the starting small forward, probably with Van Vliet and Lowry being the backcourt. So the Raptors, I mean, the Raptors, like, really, they're trying to get a lottery pick, I feel like, this year. Um, they're not even trying for the playoffs. As of right now, they don't even get into the play in. They're 11 right now, and the top 10 make it. So they. They're struggling big time and they're kind of like kind of throwing in the towel a little bit. You know, they're potentially going to trade Kyle Lowry too, uh, who is going to be free agent after this year. He'll end up, I guess, just walking in free agency. Uh, all time greatest Raptor, in my opinion, Kyle Lowry, stud, you know, was with them through everything, won a championship with them. Uh, his name will be in the Rafters one day, uh, without a doubt. His jersey will be up there with Kawhi's. Uh, even though Kawhi only spent one year there, I can, I can almost guarantee that the Raptors will, will retire Kawhi's jersey uh, for winning them that championship and Lowry too. So even if Lowry walks in free agency, you know it was a great run in Toronto, and he's probably he's the best Raptor of all time, I would say. And then 
we get the losers. And there's only one loser I made. Um, I gave a D out to one team, and that was the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Magic just... I, I don't understand. They they were deep. They were in a rebuild, and they kind of threw themselves into a deeper rebuild. They traded everybody. They traded their entire core. Um, anyone who was good, they just got off their team. They lost Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier, who were their three best players, and Al Farouk Aminu and Gary Clark. And they added Otto Porter Jr., who going to bounce after this year's placeholder Wendell Carter who could become their, their future center now since they trade Nikola Vucevic so that's not a terrible addition Gary Harris who they can hold on to and RJ Hampton who they can try to produce into a good guard um maybe a potential backcourt of him and Cole Anthony for the future um but the I, I gave them a D because they're thrown into yet another rebuild and it's like you we can never see the end of this for the magic I feel like you know it's just we'll never see a good magic team that's just rebuild after rebuild re, like they're, they're thrown into this rebuild and then this one won't go well and they'll throw into another one after a few years you know everybody wanted out uh Aaron Gordon wanted out uh there was rumors that Fournier wanted out Vucevic is always low key you know he didn't really mind but I'm sure if Gordon and Fournier were leaving. He would have wanted out as well, and they ended up trading all three of them, which was a was a smart decision. But you still have to give them a D in the sense that it was just it just stinks that they're that every single year that they have to go through this. They're fifteen and thirty one this year, fourteenth in the East, which is second worst. Um, so just just a disaster, really, for the Magic. Um, that's and that wraps it up for. The NBA trade deadline winners and losers. Uh, only one real loser, I think. Maybe the Raptors could be considered a loser. Maybe two losers. But there were some good. I mean, this this trade deadline was insane. It really was. This was the most insane trade deadline that I can remember. Trade after trade, so many big names being dealt. Uh, it it was nuts, and it was interesting to see. So now we'll jump into some college basketball headlines. Uh, obviously, we got the tournament going on, but we got a few head coaching hirings that, you know, wanted, wanted to address Indiana hires Mike Woodson as their new head coach. I th- I love this. I love this hiring. Uh, Woodson is a former Hoosier played for the Hoosiers from 1976 to 1980. He signed a six year deal with them. He was the 12th overall pick. Obviously anyone who's a Knicks fan knows about Mike Woodson, but you know, a little bit of his background he was the 12th overall pick played in the NBA from 1980 to 1991. He played for the Knicks too. And he's been the head, he was the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks from 2004, 2010, and then was the head coach for the New York Knicks from 2012 to 2014 and was by far the most successful Knicks head coach in the past 20 years since Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, there's no denying it. They, he brought him to the playoffs twice. They obviously Thibodeau might surpass him, but and then he became an assistant. He went and was an assistant under Doc Rivers in LA for the Clippers for a bit, and then he became assistant this season for Tom Thibodeau. And the Knicks let him out of his contract, and he went and took the Indiana job. Uh, I love seeing. I love to see him. I really hope he surrounds himself with the right kind of recruiting guys who can get him into the into that perfect. Um, Hoosiers basketball state. I heard a rumor actually a couple hours ago that he's already talking to Larry Brown for as a potential trying to get him out of retirement, 80 years old, you know, it's tough, but try to get him to just come in and not do any recruiting, but just work with the young players. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis still hasn't 
done anything. He hasn't declared for the draft or entered the transfer portal. So as of right now, obviously the things could change, but as of right now, it seems like he might be he might be coming back to Indiana, and that would be huge for Woodson because that would be one big piece that he can start building around is Trace Jackson Davis, who was their star player this year, really the only player on the on that team that was worth noting. Uh, they struggled big time this season. The Hoosiers, and we haven't seen a real competitive Hoosiers team since you know Victor Oladipo. And um, I'm very interested to see if Woodson can bring his alma mater back to uh, to the glory days, which would be fantastic. And then more of a local hiring. We get Fordham hired Kyle Neptune as their new head coach. Um, this is not a household name by any means for most basketball fans, but Neptune was Jay Wright's assistant at Villanova for a while. Um, I think this was a good signing. He was uh, – it was down to him and Grasso, who's Brian's head coach. Uh, and you know who coached under Patino and stuff. Uh, I think that this is this is good. It's a Jay Wright guy. Um, you know they need something to try to turn this program around because there's no reason foreign basketball should not be should not be good with you know the amount of talent that there is in New York City. They've been bad year after year uh, over the past however many years, and maybe Neptune could be the one to bring them back to uh, bring them back to glory and start you know rise up the A-10 a little bit, become a more competitive team in the A-10. And then Marquette hired Shaka Smart. That was probably the biggest one. Uh, Shaka was obviously Texas's head coach, everybody remembers. Um, he would, But he was on the hot seats in Texas and ditched town for a, a secure job in the Big East. There was rumors that he was going to be fired from Texas, so he took this job before they could fire him. Uh, you know, to be because he saw like the writing on the wall, basically. But whatever the case was, he took Marquette's job. They fired Steve Wojciechowski, Marquette, and I think they upgraded with Shaka Smart. He was also VCU's where he became popular was he was VCU's head coach from 2009 to 2015, and he was thrown onto the radar with their deep run to the Elite Eight in the 2011 tournament. If you know all you March Madness nuts out there, remember the 2011 tournament ten years ago. Now that VCU was a playing game, playing team, and they made it all the way to the Elite Eight, that was shock of smarts team and he ended up getting a few years later he ended up getting the texas job and was at texas from 2015 to 2021 and finished under 500 in conference play 52 and 56 in his time there this he was not very successful in texas for the, those six seasons it, it's tough but it's you know they i i think that he moved on to a to a much better situation with marquette mike woodson until possibly tibbs might be the best knicks coach they've had in the 21st century other than van gundy best of luck to him and indy absolutely agree hank uh that's that's exactly exactly what i think he's he's their best that they've had in the past 20 years without a doubt uh since van gundy you know he's the only one that's been able to bring them to the playoffs since van gundy uh, they they haven't been in the playoffs since since then, and it looks like you know maybe this year this might be the year that they can finally break that streak. You know, fingers crossed. Wearing my Knicks sweatshirt right now, you know, Knicks play tonight too. It's going to be big, big night of basketball all around. You know, we got the Knicks on tonight. You got the Elite Eight beginning tonight. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So Shaka Smart was a great hiring by Marquette, I think. Brings more star power to the Big East. The, the DePaul job is still up in the air after they um, they fired their head coach. There was rumors that Kenny Payne, who was an assistant for, for the New York Knicks, um, for, who was an assistant under John Calipari for a long time at 
Kentucky and became an assistant for the New York Knicks this year uh, under Tom Thibodeau, that he was up for the DePaul job. And there's been no traction, like real. I, th- I think they're interested in him, but I don't know if he's uh, if he's a legitimate candidate to get the job. But you know, it'll be interesting. You know, we still and obviously with Shaka Smart leaving Texas, we still have the Texas job up in the air. That's the big one left. You know, Indiana was the big one that we were all interested in, and Woodson got it yesterday. He was hired yesterday, so it'll be interesting to see what Texas does with their head coaching search. Um, and what other teams end up firing their head coaches? You never know what what happens and create some more frenzy. You know, Utah State's head coach took over the Utah job. Uh, Eastern Washington's head coach took over the Portland job. There's already been a lot of movement, and this tournament's not even over. So it's fantastic. And the final segment we'll, we'll get to is our Elite Eight preview. So obviously, before tonight's game and the games that are going on tomorrow, uh, got to preview each game. Quick, short, short little preview. So first game, it's going on right now, actually, um, for the past half an hour. Number 12, Oregon State versus number two, Houston. Oregon State has been unbelievable the entire tournament. They've had so much star power. Ethan Thompson's a stud. Um, they, they've just been straight up dominating. And, you know, they beat Loyola Chicago this week, which shocked me, to be honest. I didn't think that they were going to win that game. And they're up against Houston, who's tough. Houston completely locked up Syracuse uh, a couple nights ago, and with and I had a feeling I thought that Syracuse might have a chance of upsetting them. Houston's a tough team; they play great defense, they're a great rebounding team. This is going to be an interesting one. This is going to be a very interesting one. I feel like Oregon State's uh, success ends here. Houston's got too much star power, and I just feel like Houston's going to going to come away with this one. For sure. Then the next game tonight, the second game tonight, there's only eight teams left in the tournament, obviously. So four games left, two tonight, two tomorrow night. And the second game is on tonight at 9.57. Very random time, but, you know, that's how it goes. Number three, Arkansas versus number one, Baylor. Very interesting game. Uh, Baylor's tough. Baylor's so tough. They've been completely dominating. they got such good defense. They, I really... I'm still on the train. I really want to see Gonzaga versus Baylor national championship. That would be the most entertaining national championship. Uh, Arkansas has had a couple of close battles. I I like Arkansas's team. They're good. I feel like they're not going to be able to hold off Baylor, though. I feel like Baylor is going to be way too much for them, uh, and they'll end up taking this game. But if Arkansas upsets them, that twists a lot of things. This completely becomes Gonzaga's tournament to win. If Baylor gets picked off, I'll tell you what Baylor in my mind is the only team that really uh, competes with Gonzaga. And then the game's on tomorrow night, tomorrow night at seven 15, we got Gonzaga. We've got number six USC versus number one Gonzaga. USC has been on a roll and it's unbelievable. The Mobley brothers have been great. Uh, Evan Mobley is going to be top five pick this year. As we talked about in the past, USC's just got a good all around team. Uh, they gave Oregon a smacking last night. Unbelievable. I thought it was going to be a much closer game than it was. Uh, USC was in and out of the top 25 all season. I mean, it's amazing the amount of Pac-12 uh, dominance we've seen in this tournament. You know, the Pac-12 was like the out of the Power 5 conferences, they were by far fifth best. They were a little bit like no one really cared about them all season, and they came in dominating throughout the tournament. You know, Oregon State, UCLA, uh there's, we got three of them. Three of the eight teams are Pac-12 teams, which is amazing with how dominant the Big 12, Big 10, and the ACC were this year. 
Uh, so you know, this is a, this is a sneaky game. I think Gonzaga is too tough for USC, but we've seen stranger things. And I, but I still believe this is Gonzaga's tournament to lose. Uh, they are too good. They are completely dominant. They're, they're just, they're as good as some NBA teams. They really are. They're so well coached. They're, uh, they've got so much NBA talent on that roster too, on the bench. Like I really, I still, the amount of crazy upsets we've had throughout this tournament, I really still don't see anybody beating them. I still think that Gonzaga is going to win it all. And then the final game, got number 11 UCLA versus number one Michigan, which is on tomorrow night, the late game at 9.57. So UCLA last night, crazy game. If you're watching against Alabama, they uh, were up by three final seconds. Alabama hit a three to send it to overtime, uh, and UCLA ended up dominating overtime. Alabama couldn't make a free throw to save their lives. It was ridiculous. Herb Jones missed so many. The entire team missed so many. That was the difference in the game. Alabama would have won the game if they could actually make their free throws, but they, but they weren't. And UCLA picked them off and UCLA has been on a roll. You know, they've, they've, they're an amazing story. They basically, uh, Deshaun Nix, they had as a commitment this season and he decided to back out and go play for the G league this year. He was a top 10 ESPN 100 guy. You might see him in the second round of this year's draft. Uh, then they had Chris Smith, who was their big scoring forward. He went down with injury and he hasn't come back. Uh, so they, they, they've missed a lot of, they're missing a lot of guys and they're just getting so much replacements produ- productiveness from all of their replacement players. It's like, it's insane. And that's, that's how they've been rolling. And they're going up against number one, Michigan, who completely destroyed Florida state uh, yesterday. And it was a bit of a shock because I thought Florida State was better than that. They Florida State was never in the game. Michigan completely annihilated them. Uh, even without Isaiah Livers, I, you know, I'll call it out when I'm wrong. I thought Michigan might struggle, might get knocked out without Isaiah Livers because he's the heart and soul of that team. They they've been as good as ever, even without him. It's unbelievable. Jawan Howard's done a tremendous job with that team. They're so well coached. Uh, but and I, I really don't see them losing to UCLA. I re- I'm taking all of the higher seeds in these games just because I can't see I can't see any of these teams upsetting these anyone. But again, going into the tournament, like you know, I did not think that uh, Oral Roberts was going to win two games. Like, come on, they no one thought that. So it's it's impossible for the even the most diehard college basketball fans to truly predict what's going to happen in these tournament games because you just get you can't you can't predict the kind of energy that these kids come out with and the kind of role that they're on too. UCLA is on a huge role and they could pick off Michigan. They really could. You never know. And these are going to be four entertaining games, you know, after the show. Very excited to go watch some Oregon State first. Houston, then we got Arkansas versus Baylor, and tomorrow's the better games, in my opinion. USC versus Gonzaga is going to be a really good game. Uh, I want to see you. Uh, you know, for us on the East Coast, too, we, we never really get to see much Pac 12, so we've really seen them in the spotlight, too. And they've been thrown in, and they're as good, better than advertised, I'll tell you that. So, well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned in to the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of 3&D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow me on Twitter where I'm very active 
at at P underscore smooth underscore three. Uh, you can follow me there. I tweet out all my reactions across basketball, baseball, and football, where I'm a diehard fan of mostly basketball, though. So you can contact me there, any fans of the show. And hope everyone enjoys the rest of this jam-packed week as the college hoop season is winding down. And have a great night, everyone.